Hey y'all, it's Rachel from Smarter Teaching, here to share a latte and give you all the tools you'll need to work smarter, not harder, in your classroom. What a goddamn crazy time we're living in here, readers. Our president and secretary of education are offering up teachers and children as sacrifices so they can reopen an economy, which honestly, A, shouldn't even be opened right now, and B, could probably have been opened safely on a smaller scale if there had been even like a teeny little bit of federal leadership rather than leaving everything to states and governors. Um, I'm aware that this doesn't feel like a safe back to school season and it doesn't even really feel at times like regular life. I'm not uh, ignoring those things nor am I trying to make light of them. I'm not trying to minimize those concerns. I just know that at the same time, one of the ways that I'm managing this insanity is by making time for myself to read. So I'm here to share book recommendations with you today. It's third Thursday. Um, even though the country and the world feels like it's on fire, um, I, like I said, I, I don't want to ignore any of those things. But for me, reading has been a refuge in this insanity. Before we dive into the reviews today, I would love for you to follow my tiny little pod. You can subscribe and follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I also mentioned in the wrap-up of my last episode, I have a little backlog of book reviews right now because I just totally shut my life down for a while during quarantine. So I'm not reviewing everything that I've read recently today. I'm going to just be reviewing three books. Before We Were Yours by Lisa Wingate, Winter Garden by my girl Kristen Hanna, and The Dutch House by Anne Patchett. Previously, I had shared that reading in the quarantines was really difficult for me at first, and that was really upsetting to me. Reading has always been my escape. It has always been something that I love to do, so I was really sad and frustrated when I couldn't focus on reading early in the lockdown. Um, I started and didn't finish three different books, which hardly ever happens to me. And I just randomly one day happened to see a really good friend of mine from college had read this book and really enjoyed it. So I requested it from our library and it was finally available to me about a month into the quarantine, I'm guessing. I read this book in early April and really liked it. I rated it four stars and read it pretty quickly. I want to say over three or four days, but definitely less than a week. This book originally came out in 2017, so I'm guessing it's still in local independent bookstores. Um, probably at the library. That's where I got it. And of course, it's available on Amazon. Here is the publisher's summary. Memphis, 1939. 12-year-old Rill Foss and her four younger siblings live a magical life aboard their family's Mississippi River shantyboat. But when their father must rush their mother to the hospital one stormy night, Rill is left in charge until strangers arrive in force. Wrenched from all that is familiar and thrown into a Tennessee Children's Home Society orphanage, the Foss children are assured that they will be returned to their parents, but they quickly realize the dark truth. At the mercy of the facility's cruel director, Rill fights to keep her sisters and brother together in a world of danger and uncertainty. Aiken, South Carolina, present day. Born into wealth and privilege, Avery Stafford seems to have it all. A successful career as a federal prosecutor, a handsome fiancé, and a lavish wedding on the horizon. But when Avery returns home to help her father weather a health crisis, a chance encounter leaves her with uncomfortable questions and compels her to take a journey through her family's long-hidden history on a path that will ultimately lead either to devastation or to redemption. 
based on one of America's most notorious real-life scandals in which Georgia Tan, director of a Memphis-based adoption organization, kidnapped and sold poor children to wealthy families all over the country, Lisa Wingett's riveting, wrenching, and ultimately uplifting tale reminds us how, even though the paths we take can lead to many places, the heart never forgets where we belong. Okay, so I'm going to confess two things. One, I'm not really sure how to pronounce this author's last name. I'm not sure if it's Wingate or Winget. I'm confidently going down the path of Winget, but I could be wrong. And two, this book is an intersection of a lot of things I like. Historical fiction, stories based on real life, and also multi-generational plot lines. I'm also super fond of it because it pulled me out of my reading funk. Um, I will tell you, though... Um, as a teacher and a mom, stories of neglected and abused children are a little hard for me to read. So there were for sure times that um, the content of this book was a little difficult to read. So if that's, <clears throat> excuse me, if that's something that's also difficult for you, you might want to potentially skip this book, although nothing was ever so um, graphic that I couldn't read it. There were just a lot times where I was feeling a little frustrated and uncomfortable. So if that's a trigger for you, you might want to skim through those parts or um, maybe skip them completely. Um, however, I did really enjoy the book, uh, even though there was clear um, neglected and abused children were clearly part of the content. Um, one thing I really liked about this book is that I feel like all of the characters in this story were real. Even the nefarious characters felt like they could be real people and Lisa Wingate just pulls you into the story from the beginning. The story begins with the family living on a shanty boat during the Great Depression. There are um, five kids and the mom is pregnant and the book begins with her in labor and a midwife saying that they the adults, um, the mom and the dad need to go to the hospital because basically like this birth, it, like something is wrong and she cannot deliver this baby. Um, the mom needs like real medical care. And so the dad doesn't want to go, but reluctantly agrees. A trusted friend takes them down or up, I can't remember, up the river, down the river to the hospital and agrees to come back and check on the children again in the morning. So he does, he comes back and he checks on them, everything is fine, and he um, says, he tells her that, I mean, it's basically will not be a very long time until their parents return. Um, however, after he leaves, basically Georgia's henchmen arrive and pretend to be policemen and ultimately kidnap the children and take them to this children's society. Um to me, the most horrifying part of this is that this story is based on real life. Uh, Georgia Tan was a real person who has since died frustratingly before she could be prosecuted for her crimes, who basically stole or kidnapped children from poor families and then turned around and sold them to rich families. It was really mind-blowing to me. Um, I definitely went down a little bit of a rabbit hole when I finished this book, um, but Lisa Wingate also includes some resources at the end of the book about life on shanty boats during the Great Depression and also the Children's Home Society. Um, I will say that one thing I didn't really like about this book was the predictability of Avery's relationships. Um, Avery is the main character in the present day who basically uncovers her family's connection to the children's home. I just felt like you could see it coming a mile away and it was super predictable. It didn't really affect my enjoyment of this book. I really, I really liked it. Um, 
I would definitely recommend it to a friend or even a reader. I don't know yet who likes to read historical fiction or um, stories that are based on real events. Uh, Wingate's writing style is engaging and her characters feel like real people. You can connect with them and really love them or hate them as necessary or appropriate. Okay, so the next book I read during the quarantines was Winter Garden by Kristen Hanna because I love her. Um, so not to be fair, I've only read her historical fiction. I know that she does some realistic fiction as well. Um, but I had, again, just seen this book popping up on some feeds and some groups, and I know that I really enjoy Kristen Hanna, so I figured I'd give it a read. Um, again, as usual, I had to wait a little bit on the list, the hold list from the library for this, but it came up either at the same time or just after I finished Before We Were Yours. So I read it right after that. Um, I also gave this book four stars, but truthfully, I would probably even edge a little towards like 4.25 or 4.5. I really never give a book five stars, um, but I really liked this book. This is a little older than other Kristen Hanna books I've read. It was first published in 2010, but it seems like it's still popular. So I think it's likely still in bookstores. Um, I, of course, read it borrowed it from the library and then it is certainly on Amazon. Here is the publisher's summary. Can a woman ever really know herself if she doesn't know her mother? From the author of the smash hit bestseller Firefly Lane in True Colors comes a powerful heartbreaking novel that illuminates the intricate mother-daughter bond and explores the enduring links between the present and the past. Meredith and Nina Whitson are as different as sisters can be. One stayed at home to raise her children and manage the family apple orchard. The other followed a dream and traveled the world to become a famous photojournalist. But when their beloved father falls ill, Meredith and Nina find themselves together again, standing alongside their cold, disapproving mother, Anya, who even now offers no comfort to her daughters. As children, the only connection between them was the Russian fairy tale Anya sometimes told the girls at night. On his deathbed, their father extracts a promise from the women in his life. The fairy tale will be told one last time, and all the way to the end. Thus begins an unexpected journey into the truth of Anya's life in war-torn Leningrad more than five decades ago. Alternating between the past and present, Meredith and Nina will finally hear the singular, harrowing story of their mother's life and what they learn is a secret so terrible and terrifying that it will shake the very foundation of their family and change who they believe they are so i said this before but i read this um kind of early not super early in the lockdown maybe like six to eight weeks into it um but i'm going to tell you that this question at the beginning about can you um can you know yourself if you don't know your mother? It really got me. <laughs> I spent a lot of time while I was reading this book and like immediately after thinking about how moms impact their kids and how about not knowing your parents and your family history can affect your life choices. But that's not really, that's not real. That's really neither here nor there. Um, that's just something I was like introspecting about a lot because we were locked down so I had all this time um so again I read this book honestly because I like Kristen Hanna and it was coming up in book group same book feed so I requested it I had no idea what to expect and I'm going to tell you that as a historian I was so embarrassed that I didn't even know the siege of Leningrad was a thing until I read this book what how how did I not know about that so I obviously went down a massive rabbit hole after I read this book about the siege of Leningrad. Um, and just to give you a super um, bird's eye view, um, 
the siege of Leningrad lasted over 900 days. 900 days. Almost three years. Um, it was basically a blockade of the city, which is now St. Petersburg. Um, so it was, the initial advance on Leningrad was part of Operation Barbarossa when um, Hitler thought he could just jump into Russia and, and take it. Uh, so they basically came in as part of Operation Barbarossa, surrounded, blockaded the city, and then just hung out there to starve the city. Um, people could not get out. Supplies um, could not get in. Uh, over a million citizens died and over 300,000 soldiers, both through like defending the initial advance and then also just kind of over the time of the siege. Um, if you have more questions or you're more interested in the siege of Leningrad, obviously Kristen Hannah, like it's the main focus of a big chunk of this book, but a quick Goog will pull up some results from like Wikipedia, Britannica.com and history.com. Um, so it's pretty easy to find more information if you're interested. Um, Okay, so looping back to the book, <laughs> um, I will say also that I have read reviews for both this book and The Nightingale where people kind of knock Kristen Hanna because they think that she's making war life glamorous or um, like sensationalizing it. But for me, that was the opposite of my takeaway from both of these books. Um, I felt like in both of them, her story to me really illuminated the danger and horrors of living in a war zone. Um, not that I didn't feel like it would be horrifying to live in a war zone before, but just things that you don't like the, the, um, the, the struggle of like daily mundane tasks are the things that I feel like you don't think about. And just, you know, having running water, finding food to feed your family. Like those are the things that become so difficult in a war zone. Um, and even specifically, obviously, of course, during a blockade where no, nothing can get in. Um, so looping back to the actual book, I felt like beyond um, learning about a new, not a new part of history, but learning something that was new to me, um, beyond that, I felt like this was a really lovely tale of a mother and daughter daughter's relationship. Um, early on in the book, and for good reason, both of the daughters are pretty estranged from their mother. But as she tells this fairy tale to them, they become closer. And then, of course, as she tells the story, the daughters realize that it's actually about her and her life in Russia before she met their dad. Um, they don't originally or, or initially realize that, but like I said, as she's telling the story, they kind of realize that she is Anya. Um, as usual with Kristen Hanna, there is a lovely uplifting ending and uh, not the perfect amount of closure, but there is closure, which you guys know that I love. Um, there are a couple times specifically during the siege that are a little tough to read, but I think that ultimately this is a story about resilience and perseverance. I super loved it, if you can't tell, and I would recommend it to anyone who likes Kristen Hanna, anyone who likes historical fiction, anyone who likes stories based on real events. Um, I would also say this one is good for people who like strong female characters, as well as um, stories where the characters, uh, where like the characters have a lot of personal growth. Both of the daughters, um, not that they like solve life crises during this story, but um, they both kind of get are in like stuck spots in their life and like reconnecting with their mom helps them unstick, which um, I feel 
I, I enjoyed. So I would probably, like I said, give this book, I on Goodreads gave it four stars, but personally, were, were I able to fractionally assign stars, I would probably give it like 4.25 or 4.5 stars. It was a very good book and I would definitely recommend it. Okay, the last book, well, the last of the three books I'm reviewing today is The Dutch House by Anne Patchett. So after having read those two historical fiction books, this one um, came up off my holds list to the library, and I basically had read it for the same reasons. I had noticed over a couple weeks it was popping up in some groups and feeds I follow. I was low on books. It seemed promising. Uh, the average rating for this book on Goodreads is 4.14 stars. I gave it three, but I actually think that my personal rating would be a little closer to 2.75 stars. This book first came out in September 2019, so it's not even a year old yet, and it's gotten a whole mess of critical acclaim. It's a New York Times book review notable book. It's on Time Magazine's 100 Must Read Books of 2019, and it was also named one of the best books of the year by NPR, The Washington Post, and O, The Oprah Magazine. So people love this book, and like those are generally places where I would look, I mean, beyond like personal recommendations, those are places where I would look for book recommendations. So like I said, people love this book. I'm just not one of them. Sorry, guys. So here is the publisher's summary. At the end of the Second World War, Cyril Conroy combines luck and a single canny investment to become, to begin an enormous real estate empire, propelling his family from poverty to enormous wealth. His first order of business is to buy the Dutch house, a lavish estate in the suburbs outside of Philadelphia. Meant as a surprise for his wife, the house sets in motion the undoing of everyone he loves. The story is told by Cyril's son, Danny, as he and his older sister, the brilliantly acerbic and self-assured Maeve, are exiled from the house where they grew up by their stepmother. The two wealthy siblings are thrown back into the poverty their parents had escaped from and find that all they have to count on is one another. It is this unshakable bond between them that both saves their lives and thwarts their futures. Set over the course of five decades, The Dutch House is a dark fairy tale about two smart people who cannot overcome their past. Despite every outward sign of success, Danny and Maeve are only truly comfortable when they're together. Throughout their lives, they return to the well-worn story of what they've lost with humor and rage. But when at last they're forced to confront the people who left them behind, the relationship between an indulged brother and his ever-protective sister is finally tested. So this is the first book that I have read by Anne Patchett, um, but she's written a bunch. Um, and I it was pretty middle of the road to me. Um, it took me a, a bunch of a, a while in the story to actually get into it. And while there were definitely some surprising twists, at the end I felt like I had taken a really long journey without actually going anywhere. I will say that since I read this book, it's come to my attention that Tom Hanks narrates the audiobook. So first of all, if you haven't read it, totally listen to Tom Hanks read it to you. And secondly, it's possible that maybe I would have felt a little differently if I had listened to the audio version of this book. I just, um, I just didn't really love it. Like I said, I felt like I had gone on this I, I felt like I'd been in the backseat of a cab forever and we didn't go anywhere. We didn't get where we wanted to go. Um, so 
I would give Ann Patchett a chance, like another chance with a different novel, but this one just really didn't do it to me. I also feel like the publisher summary really doesn't line up with the book. Um, yeah, the siblings are very close and I will definitely like towards the end of the book when people come start coming back into their lives, the relationship is for sure tested, but, um, they are, I did not feel like they were thrown back into poverty when they were kicked out of their house, the Dutch house. Um, definitely their life was like a little bit tougher for a while, but their dad had established like an educational trust for them. So, (laughs) I mean, sure they were kicked out of their house but like his sister was like old enough at the time that she got an apartment and got a job so I mean right their their his their dad had died and they did get kicked out of their house but I mean it just I totally do not feel like the sense from reading the book was not that they were thrown back into poverty hardship I would buy poverty I really don't um no one was ever concerned about where their next meal was coming from. No one ever was ever concerned about being evicted. I mean, Danny goes to Columbia Medical School. All right. I mean, I just feel like, and, and pays for it with the educational trust. That's not what happens when you are living in poverty. Okay. That's a rant for another time. Um, so like I said, I would give Ann Patchett another chance with a different novel, but this one just really didn't do it for me. I felt like the characters didn't grow or change as the book went on, and I just really didn't buy some of the plot points, especially um, later in the novel. But if you have read this book and liked it, I would love to hear from you. I would love for you to tell me why. I just really, because a lot of people do love this book. <laughs> just not one of them. Whew. Thanks for sticking with me, guys, while I review these three books from 10 years ago in the springtime. I will be back on August 3rd with some more ideas for um, not going totally crazy while you go back to school. Um, In the meantime, you can find me on Instagram at smarterteaching, all one word, on Facebook at smarterteaching, two words, and on my website at rachelwilser.com, R-A-C-H-E-L-W-I-L-S-E-R. You can check the blog tomorrow for another book review that wasn't included here in this pod. And in the meantime, readers, keep reading. See you in August. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Take care of yourself. Okay. See you in August. Bye.